Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another day for a fantastic interview and I've got Sue Paulton with me. Sue is a woman whose journey led her to one strong belief that we all are magnificent, magnificent beings and that we often look at each other and at ourselves with such criticism and such negative thoughts that we are stopping ourselves from being who we can be and who we should be. So rather than being the hypercritical beings that we are, how about exploring today with Sue the idea of being super gorgeous, magnificent as beings and think what can we achieve with that? Where can that assumption lead us to? So Sue, thank you so much for coming onto my show. I'm very excited to look at my life and your life in a very different, with a very different set of glasses on. My absolute pleasure, Stefan. <laughs> so, how did you come to this realization? I mean, you didn't wake up one day in middle school and think, I'm magnificent. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> that tends not to happen, does it? <laughs> you know, in fact, until I was probably 24, I'm not sure I knew I was a real person because I I grew up learning to serve and self-sacrifice and and be there for everybody else at my own expense and that was just a given so when I took a personal growth course in in I was 23 I guess many years ago I woke up and I'm going you mean I'm I'm a real person in my own right Wow, uh, exactly, exactly right. Why, may I ask why you had that belief system? Where does the servitude come from? I mean, that's in its own right, it's a beautiful thing to serve others. Sure. Oh, just not absolutely. at the detriment of, of, of harming yourself. Where yeah. was that instilled in you as part of your upbringing? Or? Yes, very much so. I, I think I come from a a long line of women who were trained from their mother's knee to to serve because that was the that was that was your ticket to heaven right you 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 learn to be to be good and to do good works and and of course along the way i found extreme joy and satisfaction in doing that it wasn't like i was i was i didn't want not want to do it but what I found was along the way, I kept asking, well, when is it my turn? <laughs> uh, so would it be fair to say that a modern label for you was a people pleaser? Uh, <laughs> someone who is who was so focused on others that you forgot to look after yourself? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. No question. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and 
And fair enough. And there are this, there are some very positive aspects in being there for others. But I believe that many of us who take that on do so at our own cost. Yes. When did you realize the first time that not just that you're actually a human being yourself, you were saying after your first course where you developed that insight, but when did you learn that focusing on others again and again and again and not focusing on yourself wasn't the greatest of all ideas? Well, probably that hit home really strongly when I was diagnosed with cancer. And I... I knew that there were lessons to be had from that particular adventure. And one of the things that I realized, I had been fiercely independent all my life. I was the strong one. I was, you know, no, no, you don't have to look after me or give anything to me. And and all of a sudden... I'm on the other end of that. And I didn't feel worthy to receive, but I knew that it was an important piece of the journey. So so to kind of put shoes on the other feet and say, okay, now, okay, it's my turn now. And I'm going, oh, you've got to be kidding me for this. <laughs> Interesting. How old were you? How young were you when when the cancer diagnosis hit you? I was 61. So there was a long time from when I embarked on my self-improvement project when I was in my 20s to, you know, measure up and measure up and, you know, like maybe I can get good enough, then then I can, it'll be my turn. And, and so, <laughs> but it, it, it's interesting in the, in the sequencing of events, because when um, I was, 57, I had a near-death experience that showed me that all of my self-improving wasn't necessary. I was already magnificent. I was already there. I just didn't know. And so that revelation, um, on one hand, was pretty wonderful. But on the other hand, it kind of turn my world upside down because that was not how I'd been living my life. And, and as you know, when you live your life in a certain way for so many years, for somebody or something to come along and say, actually, you've been mistaken all this time. <laughs> well, they go, ah, but I can't start over. Can I now? <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And we will come to that. And you guys already can sense what the answer to that question is. Of course you can. And, uh, and you're never too old to, to learn new tricks. If someone tries to, to tell you that, you just know you're in the wrong uh, companionship there. You, you, you tell this person exactly. where to go. Uh, no. That's right. Bloody hell, girl. Um, I, I, I know a little bit about you. So I know that that from the time from the the 20s to the 50s you were working hard you were there for others you were working hard with your relationships you got married you built a business uh and that didn't work so well (laughs) 
no. tell us a bit about that. Uh, you can't just you can't just take twenty five years and not talk about them. <laughs> For crying out loud, quarter of a century of your life, you can't just forget about them. <laughs> well, so. and you know, it was a hugely learning time for me because because who knows how to do marriage, for example, to have a a, a partner and the whole till death do you part kind of thing. Well, I I didn't know. I as a child of the almost into the the. Um, women's lib arena, which I sort of missed in a way, because my my mom died very suddenly when I was 17. So I was kind of thrust out into the world on my own without a whole lot of support. So I was fumbling and stumbling my way. And I had a uh, a starter spouse. Okay, that's the marriage you have when you're like 18 and you don't know anything, right? <laughs> it's kind of like starter furniture, only maybe a little more so, challenged. To... <laughs> so the, the training wheels on a bike kind of affair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I never thought about your first relationships like that, but I guess I guess you're right. You're right. You think you know it all when you're 18. And of course, I'm a, I'm a big grown-up girl now. I'm married and I'm a woman now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How did that go? <laughs> well, it, you know, about eight years later, um, I, it, we just were going in different directions. He didn't want to come in the direction I wanted to go. I wanted to grow. He didn't want to go there. And fair game. I'm not dragging him along because the poor man, that would be too much. So, so I just said, okay, we're, we parted friends. And, and then I thought, you know, I, I, don't, I don't even know what love is. In fact, I think I'm pretty sure I don't even know if I love myself. So I embarked on a little project called Learning to Love Susan. And it was a it was a journaling project for me where for every day for about six months, I'd write and I'd cry and I'd write and I'd cry. <laughs> and, and every once in a while, a little nugget of positivity would pop up and there'd be a little poem too. So it was almost like my alter self saying, okay, now Sue, it's okay. You know, you're all right here. You can, you can do this and blah, blah, blah. So, but that helped me hugely to get to know myself better and understand myself better. So then when I was ready for... A, a long-term relationship, then I was a different person, no question. And and with my second husband, and I always, okay, second husband, how many are there going to be right now? <laughs> uh, Elizabeth Taylor uh, paved, paved the way there. Come on. She, she did. And I, I haven't quite decided if I'm going to try to live up to her or not. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I, I, I it, it was... It was a better relationship, and 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 the the beauty of it, we were more in sync with where we wanted to go in life, and and we had our beautiful son, uh, who's now thirty six, and and so that was uh, we started a business together, and um, it it worked for a long time, and then you know life deals you some scenarios that that make things difficult to stay together anymore and so after 23 years I left that relationship and 
it was hard because I thought that was my happily ever after. And mm. so I went into kind of another deep dive down into the dark depths of despair, mm. <laughs> which I think everybody does when, mm. when something that important disappears on you. And, and so it seemed as if um, life was bleak at times. And, and, and then I had the, the near-death experience, which in one sense pulled me right up and showed me the bliss of, of how things could be. But then, of course, I'm back on planet Earth with my bills and my worries and my whatever, and I'm going, are you kidding me? Are you friggin' kidding me? <laughs> you show me this glory and then you say, okay, off you go now, back to planet Earth. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, this is, are you happy to, to talk a little bit about the, the near-death experience? Um, sure, what, yeah. Of what happened to you there? Well, <clears throat> the, the, um, the scenario that led up to the near death was I, I ended up in emergency surgery and I was bleeding out. And when you lacerate an artery, you don't have, typically you don't have long, but there was uh, probably a period of five hours between the time when the, la the artery was lacerated and they actually operated. So something was happening that was different. And I didn't realize until the next day when I was in recovery that I, had, I couldn't deny that I had been somewhere that I had never been before. Okay. And I, okay, quick preview for you guys out there. The Sue and I had a, a quick chat before this interview and I have opened up to say that within a short period of time, I have met two other people out there who had a similar near-death experience. And I will, in due course, will bring Sue back and hopefully the other two people back. And we will do a special session where we actually go more into details of your experience then. But needless to say, whatever has occurred, wherever you have been, whatever the circumstances, such an experience, is, such, such an experience changes you fundamentally yes. to the core. And it makes Absolutely. you revisit absolutely everything that you took for granted in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess one of the the beauties that occurred was I didn't fear dying anymore. And the and of course which set me up perfectly for having cancer um 4 years later. Because when you go because of course what is the biggest looming thing. I mean, just people, you just say the word cancer and, and people are terrified. They don't want to hear the word, never mind get close to anybody who, who has been diagnosed or somebody that tells you, oh, my, my brother got cancer or whatever. And 
so so it's that old saying about there's nothing to fear but fear itself well it is really the cancer to be afraid of it's the fear that that causes such challenge in in working through that and so so of course the fear starts to create that in any circumstance in any adversity tends to create that that hell on earth right <laughs> And you go, okay, here I am living in my own little, stewing in my own bit of hell that's, that's no fun at all. And, and it, um, so the fact that, that I wasn't afraid to die, I thought, well, if it's my time, it's my time and it's okay. And if it's not, well, I, I guess I'll get through it. So it was, it gave me the a little more courage in some way to try out a variety of things and not be quite mm -hmm. so quite so fearful. May I ask what type of cancer hit you? Mm -hmm. I had I was diagnosed with uh, colorectal cancer. So one of the most common cancers out there and something that unfortunately where deaf is very successful in response to our modern diet and in our in in the way we treat our body. Unfortunately we are not looking after our gut and that's where we are. Precisely. So surgery, chemotherapy, um, was the name of the game for you? Yes, they they had told me that there was a seventy two percent chance of a cure with radiation and chemo was radiation. the first oh. First, okay. first line of defense, yeah. and and I was uh, clear for about six months, and then the cancer came back in exactly the same spot, mm. and the doctors were very puzzled about why this had happened, mm. and of course because I was coming from an entirely different plane, I I knew that learning how to receive was my first lesson. And it was so interesting when I got the second diagnosis. And of course, I, I was beyond devastated. And I said to my partner, I said, because I, previous to that, my, in the first diagnosis, I told everybody because I wanted to be on, you know, you got a prayer list, you want to send me energy, I'll, I'll take it all. I'll take every bit of it, whatever you want to give me. <laughs> and so, so I wasn't shy about mentioning it. Well, then when the second one, when it comes back, I said, I don't even want to tell anybody. I said, they've put all their time and attention on me and I failed. I'm not worthy of any more of their time and attention. And as soon as the words are out of my mouth, I'm going, oh, worthiness issue. And <laughs> okay, more to learn, more growing to do, more attention to be paid. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. And isn't it amazing how dynamic this journey is? You think you have sorted yourself out, you're proud of yourself a little bit, and think, yeah, I did a good job. And then either God or the gods in, in the old Greek uh, pantheon up there are uh, looking at it and thinking, 
Look at her. Look at her. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks that's all. <laughs> yeah. You've got more. <laughs> Just that's wait. Exa- that's exactly right. <laughs> oh, dear, 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 dear. Um, okay. So you had, you're now coming from a point where you recognized for yourself that actually we are magnificent beasts, magnificent beings deep inside. Yet, here you were being challenged again and again. And you are a religious person. So, was there a conflict between you and God? Was there, did you feel, hey, come on, what's this all about? Well, I guess because I had, I had shifted from my upbringing, from being brought up in in the Anglican Church and and learning the creed and and and, and the idea that at the time that we were the most miserable sinners and so on, which I never bought. I hated that. I didn't. I felt like a hypocrite when they made me memorize that. <laughs> and then years later. Um, I was complaining about this to my aunt who said to me, well, Sue, they took that part out of the creed, did they? And I said, well, they must have known how mad I was about that. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So anyway, I shifted into this more of a universal um, understanding for me that, that there's something bigger out there than all of us, whether we call it what doesn't really matter to me, what label it is, whether it's God, the universe, higher consciousness, I don't know. Um, But by then, I had, I had made my peace, I didn't have the same wrangle that I had had for so many years growing up. And so it was in the whole magnificence thing, I took full responsibility for having created the good, the bad, and the ugly in my life, like all of it. Like, who who wants to take credit? I thought, how can I take um, responsibility for having created cancer when it's such a horrific thing to do? Like, who would do that? And who would subject their family to that kind of horror? So at first, I couldn't kind of take it in. But I did more internal work and I and I read more and I journaled more. And one day I had this epiphany and all of a sudden, right in front of me, it's like my whole life right there. And I realized how magnificently I had orchestrated every bit of it, whether I was conscious of doing it or not. And and I'm going, oh cool. Well, if that's true for me, I I kind of think that might be true for everybody. And and so, well, nobody but a magnificent person could do that level of orchestration. So we must all be magnificent. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was a logical step there. I'll take that. Um, <laughs> it is not necessarily something that I would buy for myself. Mm-hmm. Had now let, let me put it like that. I I go now with it at the age of fifty-four, having gone through what I've gone through. 
wind back 10 years, 44. Um, magnificent. Um, certainly nowhere close to, to the set of insights and experiences and things that now define me. So I would have probably not believed you. I would have probably mm -hmm. not, not, not been there on the same plane as you are. Oh, and, and it, it, it took me some time to kind of try that on because this notion kept kind of whacking at me a little at a time, a little at a time, you know, kind of like water on rock, drip, 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 drip. <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, but, yeah, but mountains are magnificent and the ocean is magnificent, but a person? And so, so I, I had to wrap my head around it and at first, and then, I, and then I needed to take it in at a kind of a soul level to, to try it on. And, and I, I couldn't really deny the, the essence of it or the truth of it for me. And does that mean that I, I fully embrace that for me? Well, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> So, and, and, and I guess the, what I would say now, I said, there's day, there are days when I am uh, magnificently boring. There are days when I'm magnificently miserable <laughs> and everything it magnificently happy and everything in between. <laughs> I like that, but it's still, it is what you're doing is you're taking to a certain degree ownership of what is happening uh, and you're willing to accept that you play a role. Now, if you are religious, then this is this might uh, make a lot of sense. For example, you wouldn't probably pray to God to say, please change that for me or please give me that, but probably a, a person who has accepted their own role within that would pray, dear God, please show me how I can create what I think needs to happen. How, how show me the way, so to speak, rather than yeah. give me. Yes. And yeah. And, and, and to a large extent, it's my, um, my prayer or invocation this, these days is, when I envision something that I that I would like to bring into being, then it's usually this or something better. Because I don't know what's out there in the universe. There could be a synchronicity there that <laughs> that that I don't know about. And so, you know, the 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 river in front of me, I can only see just this much, but maybe it's gonna open up. <laughs> I hear <you>. so <laughs> Okay, how, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. And with that, you clearly, you clearly indicate that there is something bigger out there. And we know that, we know that deep inside. Because life has a way of humbling you, and uh, even the biggest skeptics will sooner or later come to the point where they have that revelation, where yeah. People have to admit that there is just more out there than we can understand, that we can feel, touch, believe. And when I say believe, as a skeptic, believe. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, take take a for example, take the the senses that we have got. We can hear, we can smell, we can see. It is beautiful. If you're sitting in your car on the traffic lights and you suddenly know that over there, over your left shoulder, there is someone looking at you from within their car, and you look around, and the guy goes because you have just caught him looking at you. Yeah. So. How the hell did you know that this guy over there who is out of your line of sight, who you can't hear, who yeah. you, you just don't know, yet you knew he was looking at you? So exactly. explain that to me. So there's, there's one tiny little example that you have, all of you will have experienced out there. How does that work? And rest, rest assured, no one knows. So no. that, so, but... If you know that you have been in that situation, therefore you must start to accept that, hang on, there are certain things out there that we cannot explain and that there may very well be other things out there that we can't explain, including some forces we are nowhere close to understanding, that we are nowhere close to to even fathom how big and and fantastic they are and I'm, I'm not as i said i don't know if this is god if this is alive this is buddha if this is uh, uh some energy form out there i don't know i truly have no clue therefore i i struggle with churches in their own right and with priests and and, and leaders of churches or, or of beliefs systems that that think they know it all they have it all uh, can't do that but i certainly am open to believe that there are bigger things out there i think i encourage you all to to be open to that have an open mind and see what kind of messages the universe is sending you uh, because certainly for me there is is the example here with the near-death experience, within what within two months, I have got uh, two guests and one other person that I met who have had near-death experiences. Well, come on, come on, come on. Is It's just one, okay, that's interesting. Two, okay. Three, come on, come on. Someone is trying to tell me something here. <laughs> so, yes. So, guys, be open to it. And, and if you're open to to something new you could be you could do far worse than actually being open to the thought that you are a magnificent person a magnificent being and that you have got the power to change things right here right now and it doesn't matter if you're 22 or if you're 72 it doesn't matter if you're rich, yeah. poor. Uh, it doesn't matter if you, what kind of sets of beliefs you have got or what kind of sets of skills you have got. Within your own sphere, you can change things, isn't it? Oh, there's absolutely no question. And and of course, if all you ever do is come from a perspective of love, so self-love, so so if if you're your own best friend and you love yourself enough to put yourself out there, go beyond the fear, because I really believe that that fear is the opposite of love. Well, I mean, fear puts us in a corner or gets us scurrying in the opposite direction, whereas love 
invites us, you know, invites us and compels us to say, okay, look at this. And, and there's a beauty about that. And so, um, I'm saying, hey, let's let's bring that on in as much quantity and quality as we possibly can. And then, of course, that, well, I think every time we do that, it just gets us a little bit closer to our own brand of heaven on earth. <laughs> we don't have to wait. <laughs> we can have it now. <laughs> There's no payment plan that you have to get on. Come <laughs> on, and there is no limit. I mean, it's, I'm always, for example, Jehovah's Witnesses, from what I believe is there are 147,000 places in heaven. Um, and I'm sure there are more Jehovah's Witnesses out there, or believers out there. So there's a hell of a bottleneck there to get into heaven. So I don't really believe that. So how about we create a place of peace and serenity and happiness and joy? through which we can lead by example, through which we can show the world how magnificent life can be and therefore be the light in the darkness for someone else, be there for someone else to be guided by. And it's just, it is just such a beautiful, beautiful place to be. So I encourage you guys, uh, do that work. Uh, start with a belief system that you are able to change certain things around you, even if it looks a bit dire at the moment, even if COVID has, has changed your life in ways to, that you can't even fully appreciate now. Rest assured, all generations before us have faced similar shocking changes in their time. This is not the first time, this is not the last time. And we all had to learn how to deal with these changes throughout history. Um, go back every 10 years, there's another catastrophe. Uh, every, every country has its unique catastrophe. So if you're listening here and you live in Indonesia or you live in, in Pakistan, etc., you will have your own set of circumstances. The principles, however, do still 100% apply to you. It doesn't matter what kind of, of hell is at the moment building around you. If you can create your own brand of heaven, wow. <laughs> what a powerful place to be. And guys, don't get hung up on the heaven and hell as being Christian symbols. I'm sure there are equivalent scenarios in every single religion. And if you don't believe in religion, then you know that what we are talking about as, an, as something positive and something negative. So now, guys, go out there, live your life, and 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 learn more about your own magnificence. And look, so if people want to get hold of you to learn more about that concept and explore their journey, maybe with your help, how can they do that? I have the coolest thing. I've entered the high tech domain. I have my own app. Oh, wow. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and the app is called The Magnificence Mentor. 
it's a it's a free download from either uh, Google Play or Apple Store, iTunes, and and all the content on there is free. So I have videos and articles. There are um, little tips and snippets on magnificence moments and things to think about and and so on and. And even um, I've started adding Frivolicious Friday to the <laughs> just for I fun. I think you need to explain that a little bit more. I immediately get sort of the, the flower power of the 60s, the free sex, the kind of thing. So I'm, I'm not sure that, you, <laughs> that you're referring to the same frivolousness uh, that I sort of think about. <laughs> well, it, it, it really, it can be whatever Whatever floats your boat, right? <laughs> okay. Naked Gardening Friday. It is. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Frivolous. Tell me more. Tell me more. So fr- frivolicious is, a, of course, I love making up words. So frivolicious is a combination of, of frivolity and delicious. So I decided that, you know, everybody looks forward to Friday typically in the work week. So I thought, well, what if we had Frivolicious Friday just to set up the weekend? So I've done some some just crazy, funny little video clips that every Friday I post one. Well, I post it on my Facebook page, but of course it, it also makes its way through YouTube onto my app. And, and it's just a, a lighthearted, but in, I always manage to interject just a little bit of something to think about and, and to reframe our, our, the way we look at life. Mm-hmm. And because I, I find metaphors in just about everything I, I see, you know, trees are metaphors for something. And so, so that's kind of my take on that. So, so I invite anyone who would like to check out the app you can download it for free, as I said. And if you want to become, if you become a member, there's even more free content in the member category, and that's that's free to join as well. So, so it would be such fun to to have people enjoy what I've put there, and and uh, they can. There's a way to connect with me through the app if they want to if they want to learn more or know more for sure. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So guys, if you want to know more, look down in the description of the podcast and of the YouTube video. I've added a link uh, there to Sue's work. Oh, wow. Uh, Sue, I, I love the concept and I love your positivity and your, your power, the power of joy that speaks out of your words. And the power of magnificence that speaks out of your words, which is just lovely to see. And that is a that is not positivity that you think I have to be positive. I'm not allowed to be angry. I have to be positive. No, <laughs> it is a it is a core belief of actually, actually, uh, I'm I want to live a life full of joy and full of positive feelings. And to work from that premise and to, to accept that this is your core. What a beautiful, beautiful starting point. 
It is, no question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's more fun too. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, <laughs> Sue, thank you so much for coming onto my show. It was a fantastic interview. I absolutely loved your, your get, I uh, love getting to know you and I loved seeing your passion coming out of you. Uh, it's, yeah, you're uh, a magnificent force of nature. I, uh, oh, thank to you. Reckon with. <laughs> so, and you guys out there, I hope this was a beautiful, uplifting interview that, that planted the seed in you to reevaluate your own belief systems because you've got only one life. You might as well live it to the fullest and make right now the right choice. It is every second gives you choices and it is up to you how you respond to your environment, how you respond to challenges, how you look after yourself. And it's up to you to find that magnificent person that you will find. You need to recognize it for what it is, this person deep inside there, and you need to learn to love that person. You need to learn to love yourself. That is sometimes the hardest thing you can possibly do in your life. So look out out there, look after yourselves, and have a fantastic day. Bye. Bye, everybody. Dream.